0: So we're in this series called True North, where we're talking, about, we're talking about the disciplines of the spirit, right? We're talking about the disciplines of abstinence, things that we stop doing to leave room uh, for our hearts to experience more of God's kingdom. And then we use engagement, the disciplines of engagement, to fill that void that abstinence creates. And so we might fast from food. We're removing food from our diet so that when we get hungry, we engage with prayer we engage with reading the bible we engage with worship or meditation or whatever and so that's kind of what we're wrestling with and what we're going through and there's a lot of resources that we put out there some books that i put out there last week that we'd love for you to go into we'd love for you to look at you know the disciplines of the spirit are not things that should feel like burdens. They're opportunities. They're disciplines, though, that we're really going to have to work towards and apply in our life. Like any other discipline, you know, to wake up in the morning. That was, that was a discipline. You have to, to do that, brushing your teeth. You know, thank you. Thank you very much for doing that discipline. You know, but, but we have disciplines, but they're difficult. And we have to train ourselves. We have to be intentional about doing them with the hope and the expectation and the understanding that Jesus says, as you participate in the things of truth that are in my word and you grasp onto them and you're obedient, you're going to experience life to the full. You're going to experience more life as a Christian. You're going to experience more power. You're going to experience more of my love. Now, God doesn't, God doesn't stop loving us or, or, or love us more if we do or we don't participate in the disciplines of the spirit, right? He doesn't. His love for us is full and unconditional. But you will experience more love as you practice the disciplines. Because when we practice the disciplines of the Spirit, we posture posture our heart before God so that we can be filled with more of Him. If we ignore Him all the time, we blow Him off, we do our own thing, it doesn't mean that He doesn't love us. It just means that we're turning away from Him in a posture, and he's gonna, you know, he wants us to come to him. And in his grace, he still does bless us, but he wants so much more for us. And the disciplines of the Spirit, along with a lot of other things, are one of the ways that we experience him. And so, like I said, today we're going to talk about the discipline of frugality uh, or simple living, which is the abstinence piece, and the discipline of stewardship or giving, okay? And so, again, Holding back, um, being frugal, living a simple life, cutting down on what you consume leaves room for you to give more, doesn't it? So if you quit going to like the most expensive food store that has like, you know, organically grown tomatoes from Alaska, where there's like a third of the sunlight here and they're the best tomatoes ever, but they cost like $50 a tomato, like if you hold back on that, and buy, like, a $3 tomato, you're going to have $47 to do something with, right? Right? And so don't go buy, like, organic carrot. You know, you're going to hold back, and you're going to have opportunity to give that, to pour that into God's kingdom. Okay, so that's just kind of the gist of what we're going to be talking about today. But I want to unpack that within the context of something Paul talks about, this idea that the reason we practice these things, the reason we do these things, is because there is a prize that we are after. We are, there is a prize that we are after, and we need to be running towards that prize. And when we do, we can expect God to show up in the same way that he showed up in the life of Jesus, in the life of Paul, and the life of the apostles, and the life of all of these people who, who for hundreds and hundreds of years, who practiced the disciplines. And you read all of these stories about them, and you go, man, I, I want to be... I want to do what Hudson Taylor did. I, I want to do what, what you know, what, what Bill Johnson does. I want to, I want to pray and that people are healed. I want to do these things. Well, in order for you to have the power to do these things, God needs you to have the love to do them in a way that will not hurt people. And so you need to be spending time with the Lord. And as you grow to trust him, expect him to show up in your life, he will pour out more and more and more on you. And if you're not experiencing those things, I would just ask yourself, are I practicing the disciplines of the Spirit? And that might be the very thing, that, the, the very thing that as you step into it, your life could explode. Your life could explode. And so these disciplines are no different than all the other ones. An invitation into being blessed, experiencing the Father's love so that His power and authority can be released through us. Okay, so here's the context of what's going on, or here's the scripture we're going to spend on today. It's 1 Corinthians nine twenty four to 27. This is Paul speaking, and he says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Father we ask that you would come open the open our hearts to receive this truth of your word. Amen. Okay, now I'm going to unpack that scripture in just a minute. But just before this is said, I'm going to read you I'm not going to read you. I'm going to tell you about what Paul's saying. It might be familiar to some of you, but it really c- creates a perspective A perspective on why or how, actually, this scripture describes how Paul is able to do what he does in the scripture just before this. He says this. He says, yo, for though I am free from all, I have all the freedom, I have all the grace in the world. All right. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them to the Jews. I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. Those under the law, I became under the law to win those that are under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law to win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. This is the best verse right here. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So Paul, he says, I have become all things. I will do. I will do. I will become whoever I need to become to reach all of these different people, to reach everyone, to reach anyone that I can, to all people, that by all my means... All my power, all my effort, all my talent, all of my resources, everything that I do, everything that I am, everything that I have, I am going to apply for this purpose, for this purpose, that some might be saved, that some might come into the kingdom of God, that some might come to know Jesus, like I have come to know Jesus. Jesus gave everything for me. He died on the cross for my sin, a death that I deserve. He took so that I could have life with the Father for eternity. And so Paul is saying, I am going to lay down my life so that some would have the same opportunity to come into the kingdom as I have because of Jesus laying down his life for me. Now, I know you read that and you're like, oh, heck, there's no way. Paul's like super Christ- Super Christian, right? And you're like, man, he's amazing. So what do we do? We just kind of blow it off, don't we? Well, that couldn't be literal. I mean, that's, I was back in Jesus' time. You know, there weren't cell phones, no Facebook. There's no MMA going on. There's no World Cup. Like, of course Paul could focus on only this. No, no. Paul had the same distractions of provi- you know, provision and living and life and all of those things. It just looked different. And so, yeah, you know what? You can't be like Paul. But also, Paul can't be like you. The things that God has appointed for you to do, Paul could not have done. Because God has created you as you've received life from him to give life in your unique way that he's created you to give life. To become all things to all people in your circles. To, do, to use your talents, to use your ability. To, that they, some of them might be saved. Paul's saying all that you have All that you have is needed for this to happen. All that you are, all of your time, all of your resources, all of your strength, all of your talents, all of your money, everything is needed to save some. That is the gospel. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we lay down our life, that we lay down our life so that we would find it in Jesus Christ. That we experience, truly experience the blessings that he has for us. And so the next thing that we read is that scripture that I just read. And so it says, and so I run, I run this race because of this prize. Now, we might say, well, that's why Paul runs the race. That's why we should run the race. We should run the race because we want that prize. That's why we should run the race. But that's not what Paul's saying here. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Paul's saying, This is how I run the race so that I can do those things I just talked about. This is how. I'm going to show you guys how I run the race so you will imitate me. If you run the race like like I run the race, you will be able to give all that you are, become anyone and everything that you need to become, give everything so that some might be saved. That's what this passage is about that we're getting ready to unpack In verse 24, Paul says, Paul says this. He says, we, Paul and us, are all in the race. It's just not a race for Paul. We're all in a race. Believers and non-believers. We're all running for something. We're all racing for something in our life. Okay? We're running for a prize. So run. And what that means is live your life in a way that you will win the prize that you are after. Not just, there's not just one winner, like there is, you know, there's not just one winner. Paul's just saying, hey, you need to take your face seriously. If you want to win the prize, you must run hard. You must fix your eyes on the prize, and you must run with purpose. And in the next verse, he says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Now, this word exercise, it's the Greek word, and we get the word agonize from it. Okay, so like... I mean, like, I know when you're stretching and your, your hammy starts hurting, you're like, I'm agonizing. That's agonizing. Well, thank you, Paul, because that's where it comes from. That's the kind of thing. That's the kind of discipline. It will require you to sacrifice. It will cause you to suffer at times. It will cause you. You will have to choose discomfort. It will be exhausting. It will and should affect every area of your life. That's what Paul's saying here. If you want to win the prize, if you want to be able to do what I just told you that I can do, then you need to be willing to exercise and to be agonized, to agonize over the discipline in every area of your life. And then it says, they do not receive a perishable wreath, but one that is imperishable. Okay, so there's these games, Ithmian games, that were every other, every other year, okay? The Olympics were every four years, but these were every two years. And these games were held 10 miles outside of Corinth, okay? So Paul is using this analogy, and he says, now, some of these folks are running this race for a perishable gift. Now, what they would win, what they would, this is great, what they would win if they won their race or they won their event is they would get this crown of, like, vines and branches for their head. Some of them Get this. We're made out of parsley. Parsley vines. So it smelled good, I guess. So like, hey, you get the like the, the grapevine, there's no smell, but you, you get the parsley vine. Right? And Paul's saying they're running for something that is already dying when they get it. It's perishing. It's going to die. It's of no value. The cheers that they were running for, they will die off. You will be forgotten when someone else comes and beats your record. And that's what they're running for. That's what they're doing. He says, don't run like they're running. And yet, people then and people now, don't we run so hard? Don't we discipline ourselves and strive and spend so much effort to win that prize that is perishable? Money, success, savings, you know, fitness. I mean, it's good to be healthy but not over-healthy. Don't, I'm not the example for that because I'm over-healthy, okay? And so, so I'm not the example. But to be healthy physically, yes, but not to be enslaved to it. What we eat, what we drink, not to be enslaved to it. What are the things that you can't do without? Is it TV? Is that what you've become enslaved to? Is it sports? Is that what you've become enslaved to? What is it? Is your marriage? Is that what you have been running after? Because what's, what it's saying here, even good things, when they become idols, when they become the prize, they lead. You are running after death because those things cannot fulfill you. Those things will not give you life. When you discipline yourself for those things and you agonize and you work and you get stressed and you have anxiety and you have fear and you have doubt, you have, we, we, Paul's saying, don't do that. Why are you doing that? It's going to die. It's going to die. Abstain from these things. Keep your eyes on the prize of Jesus that leads to life. What's after this life? Keep your eyes on that prize. What's after this life? What is to come? But we run for an imperishable prize. We run for the prize that is eternal, that will never perish We run for a prize that will bring us joy, that will bring us peace, that will bring us life, that will bring us rest, that will bring us comfort for now and forever. In the midst of our trials, in the midst of our sufferings, we can have rest. We can have peace because we're running for a prize. that is supernatural. We're running for a prize from the king of kings. We're running for a prize for someone who's defeated death, who has taken on our anxiety, who can take on our pain, who can take on our suffering. We move towards him and he takes that from us. Do we still experience it? Yes, but it doesn't control our life. It doesn't control our life. We have, and here's the thing, guys, is we have the best reason to be running for the prize we're running after. We should be the most aggressive in our lifestyle and the way that we live because of the prize we're running for. They're running for a dead wreath. They're running for parsley, right? They're running for parsley, And some of us are like, I want the parsley. I want the parsley. And then I want like, you know, and I want some of this God stuff too or whatever. No, no. We have the best prize. We should be the most disciplined in our life. People should see our life and be like, whoa, look at the life they have. That's amazing. Yet how many of us have bumped bumped up to people in other religions who out love their God? who pray more than us, who are disciplined more than us. I would say everyone I've met from other religions, unless it's a cultural religion that people have fallen into, are more disciplined for the most part than Christians. If we want the prize that we are called to run after, we have to learn to run hard, to run with all of our strength. And that's what Paul says right here, the next verse, he says, so I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating at the air. You know, at a time, boxers, what do they do? They're like boxing, and they go to punch a guy, and they duck, and he misses, and then the guy that he missed, what, what's getting ready to happen? Counterpunch, because he's vulnerable. He misses a punch. He boxes air, vulnerable, and then the enemy smashes him. His opponent smashes him. And so Paul's saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give the enemy a foothold in any of my life. I'm not going to be distracted by the world. I'm not going to follow the things. I'm not going after the parsley headdressing. I'm going after Christ. I'm going, I'm keeping my eyes on Christ, on his prize. I'm not going to waste a blow into the air. Instead, I will box like a professional. I will box with purpose. I will box with precision. I will be disciplined and I will box with skill, every action that Paul boxed with, everything that he did was not wasted, but it found its mark on the enemy. And he destroyed and he fought against and moved the kingdom of God forward because of how intentional he was and how he lived his life with everything that he had. And then the last verse, it says this. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be qualified. Okay, first of all, that's not talking about salvation, losing your faith, okay? What that's saying is, I will not let my body, how I live, how my flesh works out what I say I believe in a way that contradicts my preaching. Okay, I'm going... I'm going to practice what I preach, is what they're saying there, so that when I preach to somebody and I say something like, my life is in Christ, I consider all things, everything else rubbish, and then Paul goes and buys like a Cadillac donkey or a Cadillac, you know, giraffe that he's riding on, like everybody else is on camels and donkeys, and Paul rolls in on an elephant, right? That's the contradiction of everything else being rubbish. He's marginalizing his message. And what does that do? It disqualifies him. He loses credibility. I know, I know. I got a new car two years ago, and I'm like, discredited. All right, so we all are in our own struggles. This is is a clip that I found from uh, Francis Chan. That captures this message and what the point I'm trying to make right here. I was going to try to do it, but he's he's way better than me. Imagine
1: this rope. Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Okay, just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times. It doesn't. It ends at the rock. But uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that, and you're thinking, oh man, I'm gonna get to travel, am I gonna eat well, am I gonna do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about th- what about all this stuff? It's just—it's crazy to me because because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. <laughs> Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going to, you're going to do that right now, just to enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb? It doesn't make any sense. Paul goes, I'm not going to look around at all this stuff. And it's tempting. It's tempting to all of us. That's what I'm saying. Down here, it's crazy because everyone lives that way. Everyone lives for the red part. No one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards. It's, it's, It's this crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds. And Paul goes, I'm not doing that. He goes, I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line and I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining. He goes, I'm straining forward. I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm going to pass this thing. I'm going to live this out and I'm going to face him. I'm going to come before the judges and he's going to hand me that trophy. He goes, I'm going to get in. And I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but I, you better believe I'm using every muscle exerting every bit about me because I'm going to pass that line well. I know.
0: I hate that mother, Franny Chan. I hate him, right? He says stuff like that, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, man. It, like, everything you have, everything that you do, how you spend your time, your money, your resources, and your talents, all of a sudden, they're all on the table. They're all out there. We're naked, right? We're like, oh, boy. This discipline is the most convicting to me, and I think the most difficult for us because people see it. People see it. They don't see. They don't see when you're spending time with the Lord. They don't. See, you can just lie about that. Yeah, I'm doing all right with the Lord, or whatever. I'm reading the Bible. You know, I'm listening to it in my car. You know, I'm listening to it in my car everywhere I go. I'm in the Word or whatever. No one knows that, but people can see what you have. Now, the temptation is to judge those people and compare yourself to them, but this is an individual journey. And you don't have that right, and you don't have that privilege. That is what the Lord does, and he speaks to each of us in a unique way. But the question that he asks is the same question that Paul puts before us. Are you willing, are you applying what I have given you in a way that you, are you becoming everything to everyone? Anything, are you willing to do anything, give anything away, do anything for anybody and everybody so that some will be saved? It's very difficult. And living a simple life is a massive step in the right direction. Because when we live a simple life, we begin to evaluate the things that we have and the things that we need. What are our needs and what are our wants? And it makes the discipline. It makes way when we live a simple life. It makes makes way for prayer, solitude, fasting, serving others because we're not distracted. We're not distracted by other things. It says this. Simplicit living is this. We abstain from using our money or goods um, at our disposal in ways that merely gratify our desires or our hunger for status, glamour, or luxury. Practicing simplistic living means we stay within the bounds of what general good judgment would design as necessary for the kind of life to which God has led us. He's leading each of us. And he's saying Stay in the boundaries, stay in the boundaries of what is healthy, what I call you to, what, you know, and the way you know you're outside the boundary is because you're distracted, you're pursuing and you're going after them. Oh, above God, not thinking of what is to come, not my knee, not thinking of what is to come, but thinking of what is here, what is now, what do I see in front of me? Those are the things that keep you up at night. Those are the things you worry about and have anxiety over. OK, and what happens is when we begin to live a simple life, it frees us from the concern and involvement with the multitude of desires that the world that would make it impossible for us to keep our eyes on the prize. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will happen. But seek first my kingdom. I'll take care of the rest. Jesus wants to know that we don't need all those things. And it's, here's the hard thing. It's not until you let go of them that you realize you don't need them. I need a reliable car, and I love the way Bentley works. I just love it, right? I, I mean, that's what we do. We justify decisions like that, and we have to weigh those up. We have to bring those to the Lord and ask him, be honest. What do you, what do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this? Okay, and there's a bunch of things that you can do. To begin this life. I put them on the web and there's questions. You know, I'm going to read a few. Uncomplicate your life by choosing a few areas in which you wish to practice letting go. Okay? Like maybe it's TV. Okay? I'm going to go down to basic cable from having to pay $200 for 14,000 channels. Okay? Or I'm going to get rid of just those channels that are whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm going to take that money I'm going to give it away. I'm going to invest in the kingdom. Okay? You know, um, go on a simple vacation. Do something more simple than you normally would do. Clean out your garage, basement, and closet. Get rid of that stuff. Whenever we moved from where to to where we are now, we got rid of four truckloads of stuff. Just stuff. It didn't go to Goodwill, it went to the dump. Four truckloads of junk, right? This is how we begin to practice. This kind of lifestyle. And, and you can apply it to a, a ton of different ways. Begin to pray and ask. Okay, stewardship and giving is the voluntary and generous offering of God's gifts of resources, time, talents, and treasure for the benefit and love of God and other people. You know, this is a very generous church. Last December, we brought in over a quarter of a million dollars. Last December, you gave over a quarter of a million dollars. It was, I, I've never seen anything like it. It was insane. We are a very generous church. But God has more for us. God has more for you. Because he wouldn't have me giving this talk if it wasn't necessary. So there's more. There's more for you. Okay? And he wants that for us because he wants us to have life to the full. And money is one of the greatest distractions that we had. We have. It's one of the things that Jesus talks about most in the New Testament. And you might think, well, Aunt Lee, you know, God's given me a good mind. And he's given me that good mind and I work hard and I've earned this and this belongs to me now. And in Deuteronomy, it says, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. We are only stewards of what God owns and he owns everything, including Everything about you, everything about you, your mind, your effort, your discipline, where you grew up, the time you were born, the family you grew up with, all of that is only because of God, and we are to steward it. When Moses was building a tabernacle, he asked, he asked israel, "Hey, we need, some, we need money, we need talents, we need your talent, we need uh, your talent, your gold, and your time And so it says so many people wanted to give that Moses had to order the people to stop giving. Yeah. Order them to stop giving. And he says, and so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do the work. What if that happened here? What if we have this budget and you guys are giving so much money? You're so excited about Jesus. You're wanting to give everything and be any, you know, to everyone so that someone will be saved. And we're like, yo, yo, stop with the money. Stop it. We don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. We're good. Now go give that somewhere else so that some might be saved. How fun would that be, right? That would be amazing. We would be like the talk of the town. People would be coming, flocking to our church, asking, hey, I need some food or whatever. I mean, th- that we would be drawing people in, in a way that we, we, we can't imagine. But these, man, these are hard questions. Like Francis Chan said, we all struggle with them. We all struggle with them, and that's why they're disciplines. It's because we need to struggle with them. We need to struggle with them. You know, People ask me, Antley, how much should I give? People ask me this all the time, especially when the giving talks. People ask me after this talk, Antley, how much should I give? And that's why I tell everybody. I say, if, you, if you're comfortable with what you're giving, you're not giving enough. If you're comfortable with what you're giving, you're not giving enough. It's kind of like when you put your house in the market too low and it sells right away oh man i should have put uh, more if you're comfortable giving what you're giving you're not giving enough because giving is a journey not a destination now you can start off with the destination as you're praying in the spirit and god removes things from your life and living a simplistic life all of a sudden all of a sudden you have more resources and you give you struggle you bring it to the lord and you fight and you discipline yourself what am i supposed to do with this now, if the Spirit speaks to you and He says, this is the amount, you should give this amount, I'm not saying that that's wrong. But God loves you where you are, but He wants to move you forward. He loves you how you are, but He wants you to grow in your faith. And so He gives us, He tests us, He disciplines us so that we will grow, and we will grow His kingdom. Now, like I said, there's things on the web that you can do, that you can find, right? Right? Stop doing something that costs money. Just stop doing it. If it costs money, quit doing it and give the money away. You can give the money to the church. You can give the money to another ministry. Okay? Go through your house and find things that you haven't used in the last two months. Give it away. Sell it. eBay. Give it away. You don't need it. You haven't used it. Maybe six months is where you start, right? You know? You know? You're retired. You don't have a job. Well, get a job that pays money you got time. Go work at Burger King or something where you're around people that you normally wouldn't associate with. Share the gospel with them. It could be a little job. Go work and give it away. Okay? So there are a bunch of other stuff on there. (laughs) Philippians, it says this. This is closing. This is the last thing I'm going to say. This is overwhelming. I hope you don't feel like, ain't we got it all together? I don't. I don't. This is something we all struggle with. But I want us to have life. I want us to have a kick-butt church that gives life, that has healing. That's why we're here in Jacksonville. I want it all. I want it all. And I want all of us to look past the red on our rope and go for it. Because there is life there. There's life there. So I hope you don't feel guilty. Okay? I hope the Spirit's convicting you. And I hope that you're going to go home and live differently. Paul says this in Philippians. Brothers, I do not consider, I do not consider that I have made it. I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So you leave here, and there's one thing. There's one thing you do. You say, Jesus. Forgive me for what I've done in the past. Today is a new day. I'm going to press forward in you, in obedience to you, and win that prize. That's what you do. You go to Jesus. You repent, ask for forgiveness, and then you move forward like Paul did with every ounce of energy, the purpose of every part of your life, all of who you are, and the direction of of winning that prize that is eternal. Must stand.